0: child of God let me hear your hands this morning we're continuing our series on the problem of evil and how we wrestle with that in our culture last week we talked about the concept of injustice what do you do when the righteous get what the wicked deserve and the wicked get what the righteous deserve And when you view life like that, you're viewing your faith in a transactional relationship that you're only gonna get from God that which you deserve. And how many are glad that we we are recipients of grace and not a transactional relationship, what we deserve. So when you look at the problem of evil around you, what do you do first? You have to build a safety zone around you where you're living in peace and joy and walking in faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. The question that gets asked over and over in this world and more so in a culture that is growing toward evangelicalism and deconversion experiences is why does God allow evil or if God is so powerful, why doesn't he stop it from happening? So this morning we're going to talk about a secondary issue. It's, it's called theodicy. Has anybody heard theodicy before? Theodicy, thank you, there's a couple of you that have. Theodicy is the study of harmonizing our faith with the evil we see in the world or harmonizing the goodness of God with the brokenness that we see around us. It's a defense of God's goodness and omnipotence in view of the existence of evil. And there are two, mer- two primary forms of this theological discussion. So it's gonna be a little academic here for a few minutes. So just hang on, buckle in, and stay with me, all right? The first is what is called soul-making theodicy. It suggests that God allows evil so as to make it possible for humans to develop certain desirable virtues. Now, I'm just going to tell you that I have a problem with that concept, that God allows evil so that you can grow. Let's bad things happen so you can develop good traits, but that's one way that it is discussed. The second is a free will theodicy, which argues that God had to allow for the possibility of evil if he wished Humans to have free will. That if we were going to have free will, there has to be a choice. That's why in the Garden of Eden there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you want to just defend the goodness of God, you could do it this way. It's reasonable to believe that God has reasons for allowing evil, even if we do not know what those reasons are. And I think that's a safe place to live. I'm going to read that again and think that all of us should own that. It's reasonable to believe that God has reasons for allowing evil, even if we do not know what those reasons are. You are not the smartest person in the universe. I hope that didn't shock you. In fact, you're not even the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I don't know who is, but I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. In free will, it creates a whole host of theological conundrums that we will not have time to cover this morning unless you want to be here till tomorrow morning. But wrapped up in that are the issues of predestination, predestination omniscience fatalistic determination election etc but our theology is limited to what scripture tells us and might not satisfy us we have to settle with that on this side of eternity we're not going to have all the answers that's just a fact and so you've got to have faith you probably have heard the tapestry story we had a tapestry hanging on our wall someone gave to us that we had for years hanging on our basement wall, and it was a great outdoor scene, it was beautiful. Had mountains and a sunrise and a big deer running across the the ground, it was beautiful. But have you ever looked at the backside of a tapestry? It's a mess. It's knotted strings and cords and confusion. You might get a glimpse of what the other side might look like, but from the backside. And someone said the problem with understanding evil in our world is that we're on earth looking at the backside of the tapestry. We won't see the top side till we get to heaven. So this morning, I am not going to answer all your questions. I don't think that's possible. But I do want us to consider evil in this world in the relationship with Free will in the life of the believer. I'm going to focus on the problem of evil and the nature of free will. How does free will interact with the omniscience of God, with the omnipotence of God, without going down the rabbit hole of confusion and dissonance where we don't know anything that we believe? But I want to challenge that idea of free will and hopefully will bring you to a place that you will see your free will and evil in this world in a different way. Light is my hope this morning. Number one, I want you to understand that free will is the gift of God to you. Free will is the gift of God. Think about what the Bible says. That verse that we all quote and love, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I know this has a potential of making some of you annoyed, and I apologize for your being annoyed. It does not say for God to so love the world that whoever he chooses ahead of time may have eternal life. It's whoever. Come on, help me this morning. I said it's whoever that whoever believes in him that promise is extended to everyone in fact it's emphasized in romans chapter 10 everyone, not the select, not the elect, not the chosen, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's shouting ground this morning. That is the gift of God this morning, that in a broken, dying, corrupt world, if you reach out by faith and lay hold of the promise of God and call on his name, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It may be a as the thief on the cross who says remember me when you come into your kingdom it may be as simple as the Philippian jailer believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your house I'm telling you this morning that God has given you a gift that when you're confronted with the truth everyone who hears the gospel and everyone who believes the gospel is on their way to heaven John chapter 1 verse 12 Yet to all who received him, to them gave he the right, the authority, the power to become the sons of God." You came into this world broken. You lived your life dead in trespasses and sins, but Jesus offers you, our Father offers to you. Everyone on the planet has the same offer extended toward them, that if you want to, you can choose life and you don't have to be subject to the brokenness of the world that we live in. You see, having a choice demands the power to choose. Forcing you to choose would not be a choice at all. In fact, forcing you to choose could be seen as cruel and evil. My kids growing up always had a choice, always. I believe in choices. I believe kids should be able to choose. Here were their choices. You can do what I tell you because you choose to, Or you can do what I tell you because I make you. That's your choice. And God doesn't put us in that place. He offers us the ability to choose. At the end of Joshua, that great book of Joshua taking over his role of leadership. In Joshua chapter 24, he says to them as they're ready to enter into their inheritance. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. Then choose, do you hear that word again? Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you're living, but as for me and my house. I said, as for me and my house. Yes. Help me, somebody. I said, as for me and my house. We will, we will choose the Lord. We might need a little organ up here, but don't come. I don't know. I don't. As for me and my house, that's a choice. This is personal, but I want you to get it. Worst day of our life, Cardinal Glennon Hospital, thought our son had a tumor in his, I mean, thought he had an abscess tonsil. Got the news that he had non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma, and I'm telling you, the room spun. I did not expect to hear that news. Had no idea what we'll do. What was the first thing we did? We gathered together in the hotel room as a family. And I said to our children and my wife in full support, I do not know where this road will go. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Regardless of where the road leads, I can't choose what happens around me, but I can choose how I respond to it. We did two funerals this week, and one was for cousin of my wife, and one of the quotes that the uh, cousin was accustomed to say is, I don't know how many years I have, but I have control of what I do within those years. As for me and my house, you have the ability to choose, the ability to respond, the ability to react. If it weren't for that, we would be puppets, not partners. One commentator said this It's time for us to see God's gift of free will, not as a limitation, but as God's greatest gift to humanity. Free will frees us from being God's puppets and enables us to become God's partners. There's a difference between being a partner and a puppet, and if you don't have free will, you're simply a puppet on the string, and your choices have no value, and you have to do what is demanded of you. For example, the swallows don't choose to return to Capistrano. They're driven to return. They are hardwired. They are, in a sense, coerced to return. They can't decide not to return. God created them to migrate. But we have not been hardwired with choices we can't control. We have been given the opportunity to respond. In fact, the Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 1, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's, listen to this, we are God's fellow workers. As a child of God, he will not force you to respond. There are not strings tied to you making you obey, but we have the high and holy privilege of being laborers together with God. He is working in us and through us, and we're laboring with him, and without free will, that could not be the the case, but free will allows me to choose to walk with God, to cooperate with God, and to be a co-labor with God in the world that I live in. Amen. That's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next phrase? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is our prayer? That his kingdom would come. We are co-laborers in that. We're cooperative in that. We're a part of that. Seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our lives should be committed to seeing this world respond to the will of God. How many are with me? Free will is a gift of God, but free will is not absolute. Free will is not absolute. In other words, you can't just choose when and where and how to use it. Let me tell you what I mean. Your free will can be damaged and ultimately destroyed by the choices you make. I will tell you a fact, a drug addict cannot simply choose to stop using drugs. Wouldn't it be great if they could just choose? and? Those who have never struggled with addictions of that sort, I've never had a chemical addiction. I don't know what that feels like, but I've worked with enough people who have to know that they want to choose, but there's something that overwhelms because that regular use of chemical substances has destroyed or damaged their ability to make the choices they want to make. Often, we trace evils in our culture to the consumption of alcohol, or the use of various recreational drugs. <laughs> and I'm just gonna play here for a little bit, since you're looking at me like you wish you were at the fair. I, um, I get frustrated with people. Do people ever annoy you? And when people say, getting drunk is the same as overeating. Let me just talk to you about that for a minute. I know there was a Twinkie defense years ago, but I don't know anyone who goes home and said, I beat my kids and I couldn't help it because I ate too many cupcakes. But how many have gone into a domestic relationship drunk, impaired, under the authority of a foreign substance and did things that they didn't even remember ever doing. You can impair your free will. You can, I said you can impair your free will by the choices you make and the way that you use it while you have it. Scripture also tells us that you can impair or even destroy your free will by the lifestyle that you live. Read Romans chapter one and that horrible catalog of sins. And when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And there's this, there's this spiral downward of sin that ends with this. And God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. I'm telling you, when you use free will to engage in sinful practices, it calluses, it sears, it your conscience so that you can no longer respond to the voice of God. And free will has been damaged because you've used it in a way that damages you. There's an old story I've used numerous times from the old west, the cowboy days. There was a gang that was forming in a small western southern town, and they were getting ready to hit the road on their horses and robbed stagecoaches and banks and this great plan to get rich. And they recruited a young man who had grown up in church and his mother was in church and he decided to ride with them. And they took off on a Sunday morning and they began to ride out of town. And as they began to leave town, the church bell began to ring and he stopped. And they said, what are you doing? We have a plan. And he said, "I I hear the church bells. And I know my mother's in church praying for me. And they said, don't worry about it. If we ride, watch, if we ride a little further, we won't be able to hear the church bells. And he said, that's exactly what I'm afraid of. And he rode back into town. You can, what used to be said when I was growing up, "Sin away your day of grace. And that's why when we talk about, the, about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to go into that. I don't think it is easily can easily happen. I think you can't you can't do it accidentally. And if you're worried you've done it, you haven't. So let's put that aside. But why would God say there's why would Jesus say there's only one sin that can't be forgiven? It's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because what it is in its core is to blaspheme who God, the the Holy Spirit is, and drive him out of your life, telling him to stay away. And when you drive the Holy Spirit out of your life, you can no longer hear the voice of God. Your free will can damn your soul. We need to think about that. Before we begin to ask Why does God allow evil? We need to ask, why are we participating in evil? Why are we using our free will in ways that don't honor God and making choices that don't honor him? Maybe the discussion shouldn't be, why isn't God doing his job? Maybe the discussion ought to be, why aren't we doing ours? Maybe that's where we should start when we see the brokenness in this world. The Bible said in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. That can happen, that you become a slave to fear. In Romans chapter 7, it talks about those that want to do right and can't. In chapter 6, those are enslaved to sin. Now watch this. Free will does have, it's not absolute, it can be damaged and destroyed, and it does have limitations. Your free will has limitations. Do you remember a people who wanted to build a tower in Babel to heaven and God stopped them? So then I ask, God, if you could stop them from building a tower to heaven, why can't you stop human trafficking? Why can't you stop child molesters? Why can't you stop thieves? And as long as we're at it, why can't you stop liars? Why can't you stop betrayers? And if you're going to go after it, how about stopping speeders? (laughs) oh no let's leave that one off (laughs) i mean he stopped them there's a line but the line isn't stopping you from endeavoring to do what you choose but demonstrating that there are consequences to the choices you make in the book of genesis the bible says a day came When the thought of every man was only evil continually, the imagination of every heart was wicked, and a flood came, and only Noah and his family were saved because he will let you make the choices you want to make. But do not mistake, you can choose your actions, but you can't choose your consequences. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting deeper. I feel myself sinking in the quicksand. I'm going to say it. I had to think about it a minute. There's a lot of discussion today about a woman's right to choose. And every woman has the right to choose when and if they have a sexual relationship. But you don't get to choose the consequences. When a baby is conceived, that is a living soul. I could go on. You want to practice unrestrained sex? Just expect to get an STD. Because you can't control the consequence. Are you hearing me? The principle of Scripture is, there are consequences, and you will experience them, but God will give you the freedom to make the choices you want to take. And if God had the power to stop things, I want you to watch what would happen. I was pondering this this week. Um, if God stopped. Person A from committing a sin, then I could blame him for every sin I commit because he didn't stop me. God, you stopped Joe, but you didn't stop me, so it must be okay. Wherever that line is, if, if you're stopping them and you don't stop me, it must be okay. First church that we pastored had a lady that came into the church, and she said, God uses me in the gifts of the Spirit. Can I be used in the gifts of the Spirit here? And I said, tell me, are you living for Jesus? And she said, no, I'm not. Then I said, the answer to that is no. No, you cannot. That would be a demonic spirit. And I said, what happens with you? She said, well, it's God's fault. How's it God's fault? She said, before I ever have an affair with a man, I step out on my porch and say, God, if you don't want me to go, then stop me. And he has never stopped me. How many are getting what I'm saying? You have the freedom to choose, you don't have freedom of the consequence. And if God were to say, all right, I'll stop you and you can't choose, then we'd have the right to say, then stop all of my wrong choices. And if he stops all of my wrong choices, then all of a sudden I'm back to being a puppet, not a participant, not a partner. You have the right to make your choices. You could have stopped, but you didn't stop. So let me take it a step further. <laughs> this is gonna be a little difficult for me to communicate and, and I, I want us to be able to celebrate. So Pastor Nathan, you better have something good at the end because this, this is going down under the sea. But I want us to think about this tension. Who is responsible for stopping evil in our world? Biblically, who has the responsibility for stopping evil in our world? We do. We do. And when you look at the spread of evil, don't ask God why he isn't responding. Let's look at us and ask if we're being responsible. Solomon said it this way, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, then the hearts of the Son of Man are fully set in them to do evil. And I want to give you an an example of that. I just want it to make sense. But before I do, let me have you say something out loud that will slow down the cards and letters and the misquoting that will happen after this service. Repeat after me. Pastor Gary... does not not believe in in nor support support sharia law law. say that again pastor gary Gary does not not believe in in nor support sharia law law. law. got that so what i'm going to do right now is an illustration some countries take their responsibility of stopping evil more profoundly than we do i'm not in favor of inhumanity and we have laws to protect that i just want you to see that that sharia law you know what sharia law does it's still legally in several countries in the middle east they still have the right to cut the hands off of a thief to put to death by stoning to crucify, to flog to death. I am not an advocate of that. Hold up your hands if you understand what I'm saying. I do not believe in cruel and unusual punishment, and the only reason they don't do more is because of the outcry of the international community. But I'm saying to you, if you compare that with where our nation is, do you know if you're accused of a capital offense, how long you can drag out the system before there's any real consequence? I believe in justice and fairness, don't misunderstand me. But maybe the problem with evil proliferating in our world isn't that God isn't doing his part, it's that we're not doing our part. The first law that God established after the flood, the first law that God established after the flood was this. If a man sheds a man's blood, By man shall his blood be shed. God could kill everyone that commits murder, but he says, no, I'm giving you the authority to be the restrainer. I'm giving you the authority to put a stop to sin, and I'm saying to you, we have a responsibility that maybe the proliferation of sin isn't the negligence of God, but is rather the negligence of his church. You follow what I'm saying? And if we want to stop sin, do you know how you do it? Yes, I believe in a legal system. Because Romans tells us in chapter 14, do you know what it tells us about the legal system? The legal system exists to put fear into the heart of the evildoer. And I'm just telling you, that's not what's happening in our legal system today. So what do we do? You vote for righteousness. You empower leaders to make decisions. Here's the other thing you do. Barry, you're gonna be my evildoer. I didn't come to kill you. I came to give you life. I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. If the proliferation of sin is increasing, the heart of the child of God should be a higher commitment to evangelism. And when we aren't leading people to Jesus and talking about our faith, we're complicit in the propagation of evil. Uh, I hope you're not sad you came today. I've been beat up all week over this, thinking about are we doing what we've been called to do? We're to go into all every nation and preach the gospel to every creature and telling them the truth because they have the opportunity to believe and if they believe they will be saved and so there's a responsibility that we have as evil increases the communication of the gospel should also increase come on is there anyone in the house we should be leading people to Jesus so last third thing is that free will will cause conflicts <laughs> You can't have two people who have free will that don't have a conflict. It's the nature of choice. I thought about Acts chapter 21 where Paul was pulled out of the temple for preaching and they're going to stone him they're going to kill him and it describes the tumult this way some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another and since the commander could not get at the truth and that means he couldn't understand what was going on because of the uproar he uh, he ordered that Paul be taken into barracks that one's yelling one thing one's yelling another and there's just total confusion and have you ever had your free will clash with someone else's free will how many of you have your free will clash when you're trying to decide where to go for lunch? Does anybody have this kind of discussion? This is going to get me in trouble. But my wife will say, where do you want to go? And it usually takes me three or four to get the right answer. How many know what I'm saying? So dear, where do you want to go today? Where do you want to go? Because you have free will. And if you wanna do one thing and someone else wants to do another, another place our free will crashes is at amusement parks. She has free will to ride the roller coasters. I have free will to ride the park bench. <laughs> and sometimes free will clashes. What, what's the point of that? Because it's not about free will, it's about learning to walk in love. And it's about laying down my will for the benefit of another. It's about caring enough that we will build one another up rather than just wanting to have our way. And ultimately, when we stand before God, our consequences are imputed, not chosen, they're assigned, not picked. So, how do you pull this out of the nosedive it's currently in? Is to say this to you. Free will is the greatest gift God could give us because it allows us to choose to follow him and makes us partners together with God. But with that comes consequence because everyone has free will And as they continue to erode it away, their works become more evil. So for the child of God, the question really isn't, why isn't God stopping evil? The question is, why aren't we? Why aren't we? And the best way to stop it is to win men, women, boys, and girls to the same Jesus that we chose to follow because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It changed my whole way of thinking. Why does God allow evil? And I heard him say, why do you? Why aren't you rising up in your calling to stop the proliferation of evil by winning people to Jesus Christ? Hello? That's what we should be engaged in. Let's stand together. And here's how I want us to pray. It's not been my intent to offend anyone this morning. It's just this whole problem of evil and the arguments that are being made and people that are walking away because God allows evil. Here's what I'd like to call you to. God, help me rise up in my calling to see your kingdom come and your will be done. God, let me be a beacon of righteousness in a sinful world and help me to win people to you so that the light will shine brighter in a dark generation. Help me use my free will for the glory of your kingdom.
1: Hear my For you!
0: There's a great deal of discussion, as I mentioned last week about the film Sound of Freedom. It's not enough to be outraged. It's not enough to be outraged. We're called to take action. And the call that God places on you may be different and will be different than the call that he places on me and the ultimate goal is that We not create a Christian culture that we create born-again believers that are following after Jesus. But along the way, the Holy Spirit is the hinderer of evil and he does that through the church. Don't let outrage be a cathartic moment that satisfies you. Don't be satisfied without engaging in some fashion to reach lost people. I hesitate to tell the story, but I think I need to. At one of the funerals I preached, and I'm gonna be really careful here, at one of the funerals I preached, someone come to me that's clearly living a lifestyle different than what I would affirm, clearly. And it wasn't my job, to condemn them because scripture tells us that the lost are already condemned. But during the message, I said, your sin can never be bigger than God's grace. And wherever you've struggled, his grace is bigger than that and enlarged on that. And this individual that I've been watching walked up to me afterwards, held my hand, tears in her eyes, saying thank you for what you shared today. I'm telling you that the light of Jesus Christ still has the power to pierce the darkness. And we need to be busy about the master's business. Not complacent and content, not outraged and protesting, but engaging the darkness as the children of God. Lord, thank you for the gift of free will. Help us, oh God, be good stewards of that gift. And help us be a light in a dark place in Jesus' name. And everyone that is in agreement said, amen, amen. God bless you. Greet someone, shake their hand. Be an encouragement to someone today.